Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder, she has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everyone, and welcome to an episode of The Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my talented co-host, Mina Kunlo-Sitap. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. So welcome, everyone. Welcome back. And I just want to first start off by thanking everyone for the reviews on the shares they have left for us on the platform that they're listening. So if you're listening on iTunes, which is where we listen, if you scroll down and you hit the review button, you can like us, review us, leave us stars, and share with people that you may think would benefit from listening to the Product Boss podcast. Yeah, we've been getting some reviews and we've been loving them. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that for us. Thank you. Thank you. So in the spirit of thank you and gratefulness, we wanted to share five tips that we see product-based businesses making Making. mistakes of. Yeah. Like a recap of the most common mistakes, I guess, and the most common struggles or things we hear repeatedly from every single one of our clients, I feel like. Or that we see. So there's there's consistencies that we'll see. And oftentimes in our mastermind, there'll be similar things that pop up or we'll have strategy sessions with clients and be like, we just talked about this with the other person. And so just everybody knows you're not alone and we all make mistakes or as Mina says, mistakes are just data. But just the fact of like, we just want you to see these things, see them from a bird's eye perspective and see how you can work on them to improve them in your business. Yeah, five. Yeah, that's right. I do say mistakes are just data, data, and then here we are, five common mistakes, perhaps five common data points. <laughs> so I would say like the biggest one, and I actually just worked on that with a client this morning, is that product-based businesses do not price correctly. So that is a huge mistake where you're not necessarily pricing your product correctly. Yeah, this is something that you need to make sure you're pricing correctly at the very beginning because once you scale, you'll be able to make those margins, right? So don't have like a little tiny margin thinking that you're going to be able to make up for that later on when you're making gazillions of dollars. You really have to have your pricing correct at the very beginning. So let's just talk about that really fast. And in my consulting with my clients at Designer Consulting Co-op, oftentimes I'm, I'm, I'm launching their businesses. So typically with the product boss, we're working with businesses that exist and sometimes people with ideas, but typically they're in the business already. At Designer Consulting Co-op, we're talking from like concept, idea, where are they going to fall in, in the market with their price points? And so Oftentimes when you get quotes and you're a startup and you're testing the waters, you're going to get quotes for a higher dollar amount per unit because you're making less. So a lot of times let's say in clothing and my clients have lots of styles, they're looking to make 20 to 50 pieces, let's say of a shirt, maybe per color. And they might be paying a premium. They might be paying a lot to get somebody to quote unquote go into production on 20 pieces because 20 pieces is technically not a production, but for you it is. 
And so what we do then is then we ask the the contractor or manufacturer to scale that for us and say, okay, at 100 pieces, what would it cost? At 300 pieces, at 500, we want to see where the price breaks are going to be because then what we'll do is we'll actually price that item to the customers at the price as if we were making more, as if we were a bigger company so that we're not charging our customer, you know, $700 for a shirt that should really be $150 because we're paying more per unit right now in the start launch phase. So it starts with knowing your ideal customer avatar, what they're going to pay, what category you fall into, and then knowing the pricing that you can and will get to eventually if you can't get to it right now and pricing to that. And I also want to say, it's always easier to bring your price down than to go up. So people know you for a price. It's going to be really hard to charge them more. Absolutely. And I think it it relies heavily on the category if you have some give room. For instance, like if it's CBD oil or if it's beauty or if it's something to do with wellness, I think you have more give room than if you are in apparel or I guess accessories would be a one that has like a high buffer on there that you could actually charge a lot more. Um, But I guess that just depends, you know, with baby category, that is not the case. You know, you can't charge premium brand. There's only so much give room, right? Whereas premium brand in beauty, you can charge a lot more, a lot, lot, lot more uh, than your competitor. And so I was also uh, coaching a client this morning and she's in fashion and we were talking about her pricing and she's been in business for maybe like a year and a half at this point. And she prices pretty high. And we were looking at her new uh, manufacturing prices for all in on her product. And she's, she's making less right now. So her manufacturer is actually charging her more than she paid the last time. So I calculated, I looked at her numbers and I was like, hmm, $25 for your costs. Okay. Multiply that by 2.2. That gets you your wholesale. So $55 by 2.2. That gets you to your retail, like $121 about, I think it was. She's pricing her stuff for $175. She has an awesome margin, but guess mm-hmm. what? She's not selling a lot. Her, yeah. her price point is too high. And so even though she has this high price point, people aren't buying. So what we're realizing is even her paying more per unit, she has room to come down. So let's tell your customers, guess what? I've negotiated a new amount with, my, with the manufacturer. Let's, I'm going to pass this on to you guys. You know, they're going to feel thrilled and delighted that you're passing this on. And also realizing she had that room. She had this larger margin and realizing that people are just not buying, but they are buying when it goes on sale. So maybe the price point did have to come down and she had room to do that. Yeah, that's exactly what Jacqueline is saying about it's easier to come down than it is to go up. Had she had to tell her customers that, by the way, I didn't correctly price this, I'm going to have to add on $15. They're not even going to be happy even if it's $15. So that higher price that you're starting with gives you room to play around with promotions. You know, if you wanted to do a 20% off or 25% off for that initial sale or acquiring your customer, you have that little bit of give room to come down or to give a bigger discount than if you had to go up instead. And, you know, if you're making like only a few bucks per unit, um, it isn't enough because remember you have to be wholesaling too. This is another case where, you know, if you plan to go wholesale, you need to give room for your wholesalers to charge retail as well. So if your margin is really low, 
you couldn't even imagine theirs would be tiny compared you to sink your ship. Yeah. So I have another client, for example, who has to buy her product really high. Like she sells it for $110. She's buying it for $40. So her margin is not great if she's trying to sell wholesale. So she was trying to sell to her wholesale vendors, at least her making a better margin at like from $40 of her cost. I think she was trying to sell to her wholesale vendors at 75, but she was forcing them to sell it at 110. You can't tell a wholesale retailer what to sell for. They need to make at least double. They don't need to buy you. They don't have to buy your product. They can buy somebody else. So really my client, and this is before working with me, should have actually reduced her margin to give the retailer the right amount. But nonetheless, we have to make sure that your margins are built in correctly from the start. So like I said, okay, so here's another big point. This is like getting into my coaching calls. But another thing I tell my clients is you want to sell it. Let's say you go back to the $110. You want to sell it for $110. Is there any possibility in the world that this could be made at the right cost that you can sell it for $110? If it is, I think her cost has to be about $20. If we do have that potential, then great. We could position it at that. Because sometimes people want to sell something at a price that there's no manufacturer that's going to make it for you. Like they might say, I want this made in the US and I want it made out of Italian fabric and I want this and I want that and I want custom prints. That's great. But you may not ever be able to sell it for $110. So we just have to make sure that all the pricing comes together in the beginning and it leaves room that you, like, you know, was saying that you build in that you can do wholesale and that you can eventually get the cost down and your margins down enough that you could build in a wholesale and then your retail. Otherwise, you're going to sink that ship. Yeah, you'll see this in brands that are in like spas or a massage parlors, um, the really high scale ones. They have products that are exclusive to them. Because you're not able to go on Amazon and get those same things for a discounted price. So maybe you're offering that to those wholesale people at, they're able to sell it at 110 because of the exclusivity that you're giving your wholesalers that it's not able to be purchased online. So really thinking about your target market, you know, really that's your target market then would be your wholesale clients and then also their clients. Um, So really thinking about where you want to position yourself and then knowing what pricing they're willing to buy and then also making sure there's room enough for margin for yourself and wholesalers if you're if that's your play. Yeah. And this is something we talk about in our Facebook group a lot too, because we have a Facebook community for the product boss. And there's a link to that community in the show notes. But people will oftentimes put their product up and say, what do you think of this? And what do you think of the price? And we can kind of continue this conversation there and really kind of look at your numbers and make sure that they are working and correct, especially in the beginning of your business. But it's never too late. There's ways to spin everything. Like my client had asked me, well, what if I want to do a dress for $175? Okay, great. We will add things and that dress will be more special and you can creep up, but you can't take the same exact dress and go from $150 to $175. It's hard to add, but you can always discount. So number two, a mistake that we see that uh, product-based businesses are making is that they do not take advantage of their on and their off seasons. Yeah, this is something that every business needs to do. No matter what stage that you're in, you need to kind of strive for a balance of working in your business and working on your business. So in your slow season, you should be working on your business. So, you know, this is the strategy, the processes, the hiring perhaps, you know, and then during your busy season, you should be working in your business. That means fulfilling all the, all the stuff, kind of the more tedious stuff of working in your business where you're just grinding it out and working away. That stuff is 
consuming. It consumes all of your time, all of your energy. So when it's slow, that's when you need to actually think about the growth strategies that you need to be implementing. So think about like um, visually for me, sometimes I work well with visuals. So think about when you're getting on an airplane, you're going to take a flight. And before you get on that plane, you know, the plane's getting clean, the plane's getting refilled, they're checking the engine, they're doing all the, they're doing the check of the plane, right? They board they then then it starts the like launch time where they're boarding the plane. It goes on the runway. It's on the runway for a long time and eventually it takes off. Treat your business in that same way. Before the customers are there, work on the plane, right? Like work on the business. And there are times that there that are downtimes. Sometimes if your product is doing well or it's a yearly product, there's still gonna be times that just naturally people are not shopping. You know, people are traveling, they're not buying certain things. So use that time and you'll start to see the longer you're in business when those times are. But work on the plane, clean it up, refuel it, check under the hood, make sure everything's good to go. Then as the customers start to come in and you've got that time to sort of like you have that runway and you're still and that's when you're, you know, working your business and you've got the launch. So just making sure that you have those on and off times to do all the things that need to happen. Yeah, we're seeing this a lot right now because it's Q4 and people are in like frantic mode because they haven't had a chance to sit down and think about their Q4 and Q1 strategy because they've been so busy working in their business instead of working on their strategy for the upcoming quarters, which are so important. These upcoming quarters are, are like the busiest seasons coming up. So you need to you need to know where you're going to end up. Is basically what it is. So we always think about the goals and where it's going to end up, and then working backwards um, and and seeing what you need to do to get there. Instead of you know getting to the busy season, being like, oh my goodness, how did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> so we have a client um, that was in one of our masterminds, and she does bug repellent, like bug bug repellent products. And so just think about that. The summer is a big time for her, right? Because that's when people are outdoors, that's when the bugs are out. It might actually calm down that it might not be a huge product that sells. Like that's not the thing you're going for maybe on Black Friday, unless you live in a place that you still need this. You're going on a tropical vacation. So reverse for her, it's like Australia, their summers are at our Christmas, right? So reverse for her is that her busy season would be leading up to the summers and then probably, you know, parts of the fall and then it would maybe die down. Maybe Christmas is not her biggest time of year. And Christmas is when she's working on her business and not in it. Vice versa, if you've got a product that's like a giftable product, I mean, Mina talks about this with little labels, like the time of year that works for her business. But if you've got a giftable product, something that people are going to buy like clothing for holidays, gifts to give, that sort of thing, the summer might not be a time that they're buying all of these things. And that's when you're working on it. You should be working on your holiday sales kind of starting around the summer and then into the fall and then the holidays come up. Yeah, it gives you a shot at the long term of your business, honestly. So thinking about, you know, how Jacqueline was talking about Australia, you know, let's say in the downtime, I want to be looking at Amazon Germany or Amazon Japan or Amazon UK, where things are different on the other side of this planet, on the other side of this world. And so I, instead of you know, them syncing up with my seasons, I'm shifting my product to kind of, you know, it's probably an easier shipment from Japan, Amazon Japan. I don't think there's Amazon Australia, but to get it from Australia, right? So thinking about that, like if there's something huge, your product is huge in Australia, you're not sure why, but 
you can focus on Amazon Japan during that time because you know it's a shorter trip to get something shipped to them, then that's what you need to do. So thinking about things like that that you wouldn't even think about because you're so busy uh, fulfilling orders or you're so busy thinking about, I don't know, those, those things that, hey, when's my next sale coming up? All those things that you get bogged down with, you really need to be kind of balancing those out and taking advantage of your on and off seasons. So mistake number three that we see product-based businesses make are that they are trying to serve too many people. They are not niching or niching down enough, but they are just trying to serve too many people. Yeah, this makes your message all murky and confusing and nobody knows who you're talking to along with you. You have no idea, you know? (laughs) And so it's really hard because they don't know what you're selling. They don't know who you're serving. They don't know what they can buy or what their, your offer is. So when you think about one person, just looking at little labels, I'm selling to a mom that is a mom of two or more kids that they're young. They're in their young season. But within that niche, that doesn't mean I'm excluding sports moms, dance moms, you know. It's just that I'm focusing on that mom that has two kids that, you know, one kid is in kindergarten, one is like three years old or two years old or a baby, let's say. So even though I'm focusing on the mom, which is very similar to me, like, three years ago, right? Um, I'm speaking to her and that doesn't mean that her kids aren't in dance or they're, you know, it's like we give the example of Kim Kardashian and the eyelashes, right? Even though you're only speaking to Kim and Kim might be your ideal avatar, that doesn't mean you're excluding Courtney or... Or, or you know what I mean? Like you just get those adjacent people too. Even if you're niching down, it doesn't mean that you're excluding. It just means that that's how people are coming to you. Um, whether it's to, I think we heard this in a different podcast episode where, you know, somebody was coming to an interior design to interior design their kitchens, but that doesn't mean that they can't hire her to do living rooms. It's just not how they did that, how they found her right? Mm -hmm. So her message is clear. I specialize and I'm an expert in kitchen renovations. But, you know, I can do these other things and I'm kind of deciding at the opportunities if I'm willing to do that or not, you know? I'm known for X. So Mina talks about it too. She's like, I didn't want to be known as the label lady. Like that's (laughs) not what I want to be known as, you know? But then for Mina to be known as the label lady makes it really easy for people to say, oh, you need to label every single thing that goes to camp or to preschool or to kindergarten. Great. Check out little labels like Mina. Mina has all these labels and, and people know that. People also know Mina as the Amazon person, like expert, Amazon expert. She's known for a couple things more than that, but you know, <laughs> for, for the world. Self-dubbed um, Googling queen. <laughs> <laughs> so just being known for something. So um, for, you know, some of the clients that we work with, like, this person is known for customization. This um, We work with Taya. She does CBD oils. It's Crooked Cactus CBD oils. Like Taya is known for her knowledge of CBD and the use of CBD. And like, and so for example, all like Mina and I, we're in different cities. If someone had something come up and we know that that like, that's where you can get it, we could easily say like, call Taya. She can help you. You have eczema? Call Taya. You have... A seizure disorder, call her. Like you are stressed out and have anxiety, or you know your husband's bugging you, call Taya. <laughs> well, I I don't think she's allowed to say those things. Like she can't make claims like that. No, but we could tell people. 
Yeah, we can tell people. I think that she should more so promote that she's a clean CBD. She created that for her son who is having seizures and she was unsure of all the, I don't know, mess of products that was out there like pesticides, you know, all the stuff that we're feeding our kids unintentionally. She created a clean CBD oil and that is why I'm going to, you know, saying that it's clean isn't the same as saying it's, you know, for psoriasis or anxiety or whatever. So. Right. But we, we've sort of like as customers or people who know about her brand have perceived that. And then we know who to point other people too. Mm-hmm. So maybe she's not advertising as it, but we do know that she knows, she knows yeah. her thing. She talks about it. She's um, visible about n- being an expert at that. And so it's really easy to pinpoint why you would point her product out or her as a person out. So I would say that that whole like niching down into to one avatar or speaking to one person because it makes it very easy for the customer to know why they're going to you. Yeah. Hers might be, you know, moms that are into clean wellness, right? And who knows if they're into CBD per se. I mean, I'm not sure if you can really target somebody based on if they're into CBD or if they, you know, need some solutions, but it's just, um, she's able to write in a clear way where somebody can resonate with what she's talking about, right? They, maybe they have a special needs child just like she does. So, I think that that's really important. It helps um, keep your message clear and not diluted. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So then I would say the um, fourth thing that we see people that are product-based businesses trying to do is that they don't focus on what is actually doing well. Yeah. So I love to use the analogy of like a gardener, though I hate to garden. So this is what's the funny, ironic part about it, right? But in gardening, I'm pretty sure anyways, tell me if I'm wrong, that you have to prune in order for something to grow. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. so. (laughs) Yeah. So you're pruning. So that means you're trimming the ones that are growing strong so that they can grow stronger. So you're pruning your best sellers to like rebundle, to make them better, to trim out the fat. You know, maybe you can tweak something that somebody doesn't like about the product. Maybe you can make it in another color. These are variations we're talking about. You're pruning, you're adding, you're, you know, just beefing up that bestseller. And then you're also pulling the weeds. So in order for your business to grow, you need to also pull out the weeds that are sucking up your energy. Get rid of those products. Get rid of those tasks that you just cannot focus on and, and focus on the things that you can do to really grow your business. So I'll tell clients this, that if they're like in the wholesale model, for example, so you put together your, I'm just going to go back to fashion, jewelry, that sort of thing. You put together your collection and you go to a trade show with your collection to sell wholesale. You see what people are buying and people are gravitating towards very similar things. Oftentimes that happens like some necklace will be the thing that people want. Um, you'll be able to pretty much like define it or some print and some fabric is doing really well. Awesome. Then you get some like rogue orders for random things that a random buyer like buys and then you might get no orders on some stuff. Oftentimes if you're dealing with like minimums, you might not be able to actually go into production on something if you don't get a certain amount of orders against it. And then other times too, like you might have a buyer that buys, is the only person that buys this shirt and everybody else has bought another shirt. And you might actually be able to call that buyer and say, hey, after all the sales, very few people have ordered the style. We're going to drop this style and we'd like to move your, your money into this, into this shirt because the consensus, the group of people have mostly been attracted to this style. 
can we do that? And they'll say yes or no. If they say no, then you're like, okay, we're just not going to do the style because it's not worth it to you as a, as a manufacturer to make this piece. But that's where I want you guys to look at just because you've designed it, just because you've done the development of it, doesn't mean you also have to go into production of it and sell it. So take a look. That's your first time when you're exposing it to buyers or people are starting to give you feedback. You do a Kickstarter and you offer three different colorways of something that you're going to sell them. And one of the colorways just doesn't sell. There's your data. Don't go into it. Like just let it go, drop it and, and put your money, your time and your energy in the things that are working. And don't build another garden. Like that's another thing we see is that, Hey, I'll just build another garden over here, but this time I'll do roses or I'll do carnations. Um, no, 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 no. You need to focus on your garden. You need to prune it. You need to weed it. And um, I'm loving this analogy. Let me tell you. <laughs> you need to focus. <laughs> but it's true because I, I will, will all see it in conversations with people. They're like, well, if this doesn't work, I'm just going to do this. Okay, great. But if you just kind of jump ship, abandon this whole, you leave that garden, the weeds are going to take over, the deer are going to come eat your plants. All sorts of things are going to happen and it's going to go awry. You need to just keep focusing and tending to that. And then like, and then just if a plant doesn't like a tree doesn't sprout, whatever, like you decide whether you're going to keep doing it or not. So this analogy is just going to keep going, but just know that <laughs> you can, sorry about my voice too. I've been sick. So that you can kind of basically remove things. You don't have to do everything. And then Mina, you brought up this point of like even Instagram, like, and I've done this on my own Instagram. I've gone back through and I've actually deleted posts. There's some things that just don't serve my customers anymore or even like where I feel like my page is going. And so I'll just go in and I'll delete some stuff to just clean it up, to update it to whatever the new trend is. Yeah, I learned this from um, Melissa at Shop Compliment. So at, um, at Shop Compliment, she has tons of followers on Instagram. She's an expert. She's amazing. She was also on Don't Keep Your Day Job podcast. I literally bawled my eyes out. So you guys have to go find the episode with her. Um, I forget what the girl's name on it. Like basically listen just for her. But she basically goes through and she'll delete... Um, her posts that are like giveaways and things that are already closed. You know how some people just put X and they put close or they'll say congratulations to this person and they'll put closed. She actually goes through and deletes them. And she said that that's because they're not really timely and she's, it's like pulling weeds. That's where I got the analogy from. I added the pruning of course myself and then another garden, but um, I love the idea of going in and pulling weeds, even if it was something as specific as Instagram or um, Amazon or even your entire business, you know, um, maybe you go through your employee list and pull some weeds. I was going to say the same thing about customers. So not like your um, e-commerce customers, but let's say you sell to stores. Maybe there's a store that's just trouble. Returns, complaints, whatever, 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 whatever the reasons are. You might just decide like, you know what? I'm just not going to reapproach them for the next season. Like even if they contact me, all the money in the world is not worth the hassle that it takes to deal with that store. Or, or it could be that like, they always discount you. Uh, they put you on sale. They don't hold the brand up to par. Like, be choosy. You don't have to sell to everybody. So that's another place where you can pull the weeds. Yeah, eighty twenty rule, right? Eighty percent of your money comes from twenty percent of your products, and eighty percent of your complaints come from twenty percent of your customers. I mean, Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, last but not least, what is our last one? The common mistake. So what we see that product businesses and product bosses do is that they try to do 
all the things. So you try to do everything, usually all the things at once, and you do it alone. So yeah. that is a big mistake, going at this alone and doing and trying to do all of it. So discouraging. I mean, this is the reason why people quit. Every single day they quit because one, nobody can do it all at once. And two, nobody is great at everything. Even if you're the CEO of a business, you do not know everything. And it's, you know, I see it as my opportunities to learn or my opportunities to hire out and I just dabble in it. But you know what? I also try to focus on not doing all the things at once too. So I think it gets so discouraging when when you realize you're not good at everything. <laughs> what do you mean I can't stay up all night and, and do my email blasts and Instagram account? So that's the thing, right? So what I'm realizing and what we're seeing customers or clients or listeners or whatever, everybody is trying to do everything and you feel like you have to be everywhere. So one, you came up with the concept of this business. You're trying to sell, you're trying to sell it. You're trying to build the platforms that you're selling it on or get on the platforms. So sometimes your own, your own sales rep your own programmer, um, you're the customer service rep. So we're just talking about that. You're dealing with like designing, developing product. You might be this person who's selling it at trade shows. Then you're thinking, oh my God, I have to get this on all the social media channels. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to go do a live. I'm going to post it on Instagram. I'm going to design all my posts on Canva. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, everybody. Like this is a lot and you do quality control and you do shipping and you have significant others or friends or family or other people that want to see you and take your time. So it gets really overwhelming. And I know you might also be thinking, well, I don't have the budget for help, right? Because a lot of us feel like we don't have the budget for help, but there are other ways to get help or to minimize the amount of things that you're doing to not do this alone or not to try and do all the things at once. Yeah. I think that a lot of times people think that the go-to is to hire somebody and then they're like, oh, how do I get this money? Because I don't have the time to do it myself. Um, I think it just really depends on who you're hiring. You know, like sometimes if you, it's just like how people are like, all I have to do is get on Amazon and then that'll be it. That's it. Very untrue to try to do all the things at once, you kind of have to give their those things time or you have to give them money, right? Um, but I think it's just, you can't put all your eggs in one basket and you can't put your eggs in all baskets. You just have to test out the baskets and see what you want to hire out for. And then, you know, sometimes it's not hiring somebody just to do it for you. Sometimes it's just hiring somebody to give you clarity or it's hiring somebody to shortcut it or hiring somebody to... Um, I don't know, different, like, I don't think it has to be somebody that completely, like, you just hand it over because I do think that if you're in the beginning, you need to have your finger on the pulse for sure. So there's, you know, there was the craze of courses, like Mm e-courses, like self-guided courses. Mina and I are, we talk about it often, like, you know, like YouTube school dropouts. Uh Uh-huh. I have my landfill of courses. (laughs) Yes. That's a good, that's a good way of putting it. And and I think a reason why we're really attracted to podcasts are that you get these like snippets of information, right? So like these new fresh ideas that come in your head that are like somewhat implementation, you know, things to think about and do or open, eye-opening to other subjects. But we have both paid money, paid our, our, our st- like whatever you call it, cash to, to hire experts or to work with other people for certain things. So Mina has hired people to do Pinterest or Instagram or a photographer to update her photos because it went from one thing to another. It's not all the time, 
it's one at a time and it's for whatever needs to kind of be worked on until the next thing. I've hired experts to coach me, um, to consult me. And again, also not all the time, but it's for something specific. So my most recent hire of an expert was for sales. Like I think I'm good at sales, but then there's always something to learn for my other business. And so I learned something. Sales new. coach though. She was not, I, it sounded like <clears throat> you're hiring somebody to sell DCC, but a sales coach. Right. For basically for, because I sell a service, like to have a, a conversation and, and how to kind of close on sales in a different way than I've been used to. New information. Do I work with this person forever? No, but I got this new information. I gathered it for the time that I needed it. And then I'll move on to whatever the next thing is. But I'm also the kind of person that used to hire people for everything. And I, and I used to have interns for everything. So it's not saying that you have to always hire. If you can invest in a expert for some topic of something that you're looking to do. I have a client that has a CFO that's a consultant for her, a chief financial officer, because she needs someone to look at her numbers. It's not what she's great at. So she has someone that comes in every so often and looks at her numbers. We could probably find the money sometimes for the things that we need for these little, these, um, little play things that will clean up your business. Yeah, for sure. So even looking at sales, right? Jacqueline hired somebody to help her with having like a better closing on her clients that she's picking up for designer consulting co-op. She could have also hired one that sometimes people hire sales coaches for if they do a live event. Sometimes people have, you know, in a certain niche, let's say she's going to speak at an event, how can she close those people? So really it's not like she hired a sales coach to get on the phone and close for her. I think that is a little bit dangerous when we tell you to hire out to somebody. It's not like give that away. A lot of times, maybe it's just like a shortcut where you can focus uh, and have somebody say, here's how you could do, be a little bit leaner, a little bit faster, a little bit you know, better. Um, but it's not so much that I'll just take that off your plate because you do need to be tapped into it. And then it just allows you a little bit of give room. So you're not trying to do all the things at once. You're focusing still on building your business. But how can someone, how can you hire someone to get you a little bit closer? Yeah. So it's that outside perspective. And so let's just say from, from me getting that from my business, um, what I ended up being able to do for my clients that have product-based businesses that are selling is what the biggest takeaway I learned was the follow through. You don't just leave somebody, but you follow through. And I used to be like, I don't want to follow through. I'm already getting on the phone. But this whole follow through concept is the same thing with if you call a store and you're trying to get an order with a store and a store is like, great, thank you. Just saying like, hey, can, when can I follow up with you on this and setting a date? And just that helps it. So talking about trying to do all the things, let's just take a step back. Let's just talk about social media. People usually get overwhelmed with like the whole concept of social, like being a social media manager for yourself. You might not be able to do it on a daily basis. You might not be able to do stories on a daily basis. So that's when Mina often talks about batching things. So put on your social media manager hat. Maybe you do a little bit of learning. You figure out what you need to know. And then you put on your social media hat once, twice a month. And that day is when you're batching the content that you're going to do. And when we get Tyler J. McCall on to talk about the um, using Instagram, he even said, 
the time that you spend going through your feed, just looking at stuff, like searching, use that time instead to be doing something for your business, to be active for your business. So there really is that time in the day, but where are you spending it? On which end are you spending it on? So just kind of taking a step back, looking where you're at, putting on that hat, and that's when you're going to do social media management. And you do that on a Monday, let's say the 1st and the 15th, and then you're done for the month. And then you move on to the next thing you have to do. That's the magic of an expert, you guys. Even Tyler J. McCall saying, hey, you know what you should do? Take 20 minutes of every single day, let's say right before you pick up your kids or whether you're waiting in the bus line to engage with people. Because you know what? We don't think about that strategy. A lot of times we're still thinking about, you know what? I'm already on Facebook and Instagram for my personal use. And so in those times of personal use, you're scrolling, 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 chatting, you know, here and there, not really doing anything for your business. You're just getting sucked in. But if you're doing stuff for your business, it's a whole, like, think of it as a whole different person, a whole different persona that you have to be thinking about your end game, what you're doing while you're on there. It's a strategy and it is a purpose. Otherwise, you're just aimlessly wandering on social media like the average consumer is, you know, you just, um, it's so much easier when you hire the expert. If I were to hire Tyler and he were to tell me, you know, Hey, take those 20 minutes, start doing these stories about this. You know, when it, the, the way that you know that you're having too many stories is when they turn into dots instead of dashes on the top, you know, just really giving you some structure where you're just like, Hey, that is super simple. And I can follow that, especially for my business, you know? Yep. And that's exactly what we're saying. So you don't necessarily have to pay the dollars to get the expert advice. You just have to know where you're looking and and take something like that and implement it and take those tidbits away and say, okay, I'm going to convert the time that I sit here waiting for. I have to sit in my daughter's room every night to help her go to sleep. It's either me or my husband. With your hand on her, right? With your hand on her. And she knows. (laughs) She goes, sometimes when she's trying to manipulate me to stay in her room, mommy, go get your computer. (laughs) Oh my gosh, she's a genius. Genius. She exactly. Because so sometimes I'll sit on the floor if I have to like get some work done. And I'll sit on the floor with like with the screen facing away from her, and I'll do some stuff. Or sometimes James and I are like on our phones scrolling. Kind of sucks. I should probably pay attention to her more, but we have to do something in the forty-five minutes we're helping her go to sleep. So that could be the time that we're spending engaging or interacting or doing whatever it is that we needed to do. I mean, kids are such a mirror, right? She basically was like, I know what will win my mom over is having her laptop because she loves to work. My daughter the other day, I was groucho in the morning and she was like, she needs some coffee. Like making that excuse for me. I was like, oh my gosh, how and why? She needs her coffee. Because <laughs> she's heard you say it. That's amazing. These kids. Yeah. Coffee. Where I'm like, oh, get, I need a cup of coffee, which sounds different when I'm saying it, instead of her being like, oh, she needs a cup of coffee. Like, <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I know really these mirrors that you're like, maybe don't always want to see into. But um, so yeah, so you know, and and again, Mina and I are Mina and I are in this boat with you. So we don't want you guys to think that like you're alone or you're making mistakes because also the try to do all the things all at once alone. Um, we could be setting up email sequences, we could be setting up more things that we're doing on our um social media platforms, we could be reaching out to more people to buy from us. There's so many things. But Nina's very good at breaking it down into steps. And what she'll say is like, you can't do it all at once. So pick something, master it, and then move on to the next thing, right? 
Here's the thing too. I get into slumps all the time. I'm in one of them right now where I'm just like, oh, I don't feel like working. And then I push off everything except for the things that will be like emergency stuff. Like I actually have to take off the milestone stickers from Walmart because somebody ordered them and I don't have them in stock because of the misspelling. So... (laughs) Therein lies, you know, all, like we all, we're just human. We're just trying to figure it out, right? And so I might be wonderful at breaking it down, but that doesn't mean that I am wonderful at executing 100% of the time, all the time. I have my bad days too, of course, we all do. And if I'm in a slump, I let myself feel that way, you know? And so sometimes I try to wake or take a walk or, you know, like, you know, obviously I need my coffee this morning, but you know, like, like it's just one of those things where, yeah, don't put that pressure on yourself that you have to be doing all things all at once, all by yourself, because that it just simply is not true. So just to kind of go over again, just to, to go back over the top five things that we see people making mistakes on are that they're pricing incorrectly. So not people, but product-based businesses, they're pricing incorrectly. They don't take advantage of their on and off season. They are trying to serve too many people. They're not focusing on what does well. And they're trying to do all the things all at once and all alone. So we just want you to know that it's, it's common. Find the thing here that you feel like you could fix or look at and just correct, pivot. That's why we have our own businesses. We can do things quickly in our businesses. We can kind of take a step back and be like, oh, yep, that's me. Let's, let's change something up here. Yeah, love that. And that is a wonderful way to look at it. It's just kind of letting you know with your mindset that it's not you, just you. You're not by yourself. This is all of us. And we would love to help you in any way that we can. Speaking of helping you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, what I wanted to say quickly was that treat uh-huh. this end of the year. So we're doing holiday sales. The treat this end of the year, the fact that like we're going into a new year. So this could also just be... Um, a resolution for you or something you're going to work on in that or that you're going to start thinking about 2019 and what you're going to do in 2019. Hey, so, what know, was your word? What was your word from Biz Chicks Live last year? Do you remember? Um, clarity. And I clarity? You do? You have, mine was happiness and I'm definitely making big changes. That's for sure. Making happiness happen. Yeah. Mine was actually profit was the first one. And then I got in, then I got to clarity and I will say that I got both. So if you are actually watching this video, which we'd love for you to do because we're on the yeah, video. Let me grab mine. It's over here. Okay. And um, actually I have three words. Mina can't even hear me right now, but I'll just show you. So we went to Biz Chicks Live last year um, and Natalie Ekdahl had given us all rocks to write our goal. So Mina had happiness. I have clarity so first I thought I was pivot, right? I wrote pivot of so many. I still Why do you have so many rocks? I was super confused. That's why clarity <laughs> was at one. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> but it was pivot because I did. I pivoted my business quickly. I realized what wasn't working for me. Same thing. Hired people. Things weren't working. I pivoted, I changed, I downsized in terms of like physical space, so many things that are amazing. And so by pivoting, I made a profit and I gained clarity. And so those are my three words. And um, So you have profit, pivot, and clarity? Is it written on the back? Is that why? Yeah, but really I've been living off of clarity because originally, uh-huh. like I was saying to them, um, profit was one and I changed it to pivot. And then someone was like, I think you just need clarity, obviously, because <laughs> I can figure out which one I want. <laughs> and there was no other side for you to write on. <laughs> so they got this one. So my friends, um, 
So yeah. So like, think about a word and we can talk, we're going to talk about this more throughout the season as things are changing and as like the sales journey die down, Mina and I are going to be together. We're doing an in-person mastermind in Southern California in November. And when we're together at that time, we are actually also going to be working on our business ideas for the next year. Sort of like our hopes and dreams that we're doing this early November. Usually people are sort of wrapping their year up like September, October, November to already start planning for the next year. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't even sure about happiness when I wrote it. I think though the reason why I ended up choosing you it was because I don't focus on happiness a lot. So I knew I'd naturally focus on profit. I naturally focus on clarity because those are what I turn to. Those are my go-tos. But I don't naturally turn to happiness. Not that I'm an unhappy person, but I don't focus on it as being like this something that I really need and want in my life. Hence, happiness. And look at how cool my rock looks. You guys have to see this video. Um, so it's like a, yeah, it's like an imperfect rock, right? So imperfect happiness. Um, so anyway, <laughs> we'll be picking a word again. I was just wondering what Jacqueline's was, but yeah, end of this year, it's a perfect time to be thinking about these five common things and seeing what is your word that you're going to come to. You know, when you're thinking about all these things, like if it's clarity, how can you you know, bring clarity to pricing correctly or, you know, working, balancing out your on and off seasons or bring clarity to serving one avatar or, you know, clarity to focusing and pruning and pulling weeds. Um, for me, it's like, how can I bring happiness into my pricing? And, you know, so that one word, right? Happiness into slow and busy season. So I love that because it's a checkpoint where is this what I want to focus on for this coming year? Yeah. And actually, funny enough, my year last year was joy. I wanted joy to enter into all parts of my business and personal life. So if it wasn't serving me in that way, then it was something that wasn't joyful. Then it was something that needed to be corrected. So as Mina was jumping in to say, but in our last point of not doing things alone, we want to invite you to work with us in a two-to-one strategy session. So we do offer sessions where you can work with us individually, but the majority of our listeners and clients work with the both of us because two heads are better than one and three heads, which would include yours focusing on your business is absolutely incredible. Like the shifts and formations that we see happen for our clients. So we would love to work with you in a strategy session. Um, Mina, do you want to tell them a little bit about some things that happen in the strategy sessions? Yeah, sure. So basically you fill out an application so then we can hear in your words what your struggles are and where we will be focusing and where you want it to end up, right? I like to think of this as the before, middle, and end. So beforehand, you're giving us your information. Beforehand, Jacqueline and I are talking together. We meet up. We dig deep into your business. In the middle, at the strategy session, you're we're giving you the feedback and, you know, going off of your ideas. And at the end is the transformation, I hope, right? That you're able to get the clarity and then tackle anything that you need to do because we already had the end in mind, what you wanted to get from it. Sometimes it doesn't line up because when we look at your business, we're like, oh, they need to do this first. But you in the end or the end game, right? You know what's right for your business. You know what decisions you want to make. You know what gut feeling you felt when we were talking to you. So I think that that is really huge in that Jack and I meet beforehand without you um, altering what we think of your business. And because ultimately you're paying for an outs the outside opinion, then we get to chat it out with you and give you ideas and really feed off your energy and you're able to feed off our energy. And at the end, 
you're on your own and able to do the best that you can do. And just so you know, you are, you, we do not take offense to whether you take our advice or you don't take our advice. So the point of a strategy session is just to create strategies for you to bring ideas to the table and have this like powwow of ideas. And, and sometimes we come up with solutions because there might be a very specific issue problem. So for example, we could work on pricing with somebody. So even just the list that we just gave you in this podcast of five common mistakes, we might, you might not even realize you're making these mistakes, but in talking to you in the intake form, we're going to see that and we're going to be like, hold on, you're actually missing something. You don't realize that you should be pruning or trimming or not providing this or that you need to be adding something or you might be priced incorrectly. Um, and so by giving you these ideas back or even solutions to that, you're able to make really big changes in your business pretty quickly from only working with us for an hour. And to point out that hour is a Zoom call typically and it's recorded. So you actually get to go back and re-listen to it and use that information over and over and over as you're working through this in your business. Yeah, for sure. And there's nobody that knows your business better than you. So yeah, we take no offense. I mean, we love what we do. We love working on your business and we love offering those ideas to you, but you are you that makes the best decisions, right? So I think even if we, a lot of times, I think the pricing thing, it's a relief to them. You know, they're like, oh, that's how that works. And oh, that's what the market will bear, you know? Um, so I think it's a relief when you get to see what other people, experts can say about your business. And then you get to choose what you want to do. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in working with us in a two-to-one strategy session, we would love to work with you. This really like... This really excites us and we get to work with our listeners and um, dig into their businesses and just kind of use our our expertise and our talents in, and help you and see the, like, the huge changes that you make. So if you want to work with us, we have it in the show notes, but you would go to the product boss slash about. Mm-hmm, about. It's also in the show links. And then you would click there and then there's an option to work with us and you would click the button and then apply and we would just get you scheduled and working with you. And so we just want to let you know, this is being recorded in October of 2018. So we have very limited spots left for this year. So if you're into talking to us and you want to talk to us about this holiday season, please jump in and book your call right away. And if it's something that you want to really tackle this year before 2019 comes, again, there are super limited spots and we'd love to work with you, but you're going to have to get your spot now. So thanks everyone for listening. Thanks everyone. This episode is over, but it doesn't have to end. Head over to our Facebook group, search for the Product Boss Biz Community, or the link is also in the show notes. Come connect with other product bosses just like you. We'll see you in there.